Good morning. We're into another week already. It's October 23rd. We're talking about some substantial strike movement, EV's election pitch, and a bullet ridden Tesla. Everywhere I go, the people really want to know who I is and who Talking I am. Bullets. Bullets, bullet, bullet, bullets, bullets, bullets. Oh, oh man. Bullets this week. Like, I am so geared up for this week. I don't like I think it is we came you know and and we talked about this on the pod last week but we we met with our like director team last week for a sodu just to plan out the next 9 to 12 months of what a sodu might look like mm-hmm. cuz you know we're always like throwing little wrenches we're going to try and not throw wrenches so that you can <laughs> stay planned around it as well as our team but also I think like coming off that then we have our Friday meeting with our team and just going into this week, like everyone knows what we're after and building this community, showing what it's more about. And then listen, so you may have seen, I did a little interview uh, with um, with the team at JD Power a couple months ago and Stuart Stroop emails me this weekend and he's like, I watched episode two of More Than Cars oh. and it was unbelievable. I haven't seen anything like it in the industry. He's been around the industry for a long time. And then that's Saturday morning. And then I show up to church on Sunday Uh. (laughs) and three people are like, I watched episode two. Hey, and I think I really like automotive, you know, like I'm like, Oh man, this is too good. (laughs) And then JD power called back and was like, Hey, we want to help sponsor and fund the rest of this season. We yeah. believe in it so much. Christine, if you're if you're listening, you can still call back and say that. We will. Yes, <laughs> yes, we will. We will. We absolutely will. Look, I don't know if there's any reason to be tied, if you really say you care about the industry, to anything else other than that, if you're not tied to it. Like, if you say it, Push it. and preach it, because, you know, we've heard it a lot where people are like, this needs to happen, this must happen, this has to happen. Right. But, like, we know just, like, everything in life, like, there are a lot of words, but people look about, like, what you do. And in business, where your dollars go reflect the values and beliefs that you have. And I'm just putting that out See, there. Putting that out there. We're so thankful for so many partners that we have in the Asotaverse who do believe that. And the bottom line is that, like, we know that when we connect and when we do meaningful things and when you're fired up about what you do, the funny thing is that you make more money because your business is more operationally sound. Your technology's better. Your hiring retention's better. You're, like, it's all better. All that. All better. All better. Oh, man, we got going right away this hey, week. Speaking of getting better. Whoa. Oh, oh the segue. I don't even know where you're going with this. Hey, this Wednesday at two o'clock, we're talking about getting better with four eyes uh, and Jeff Ramsey of Orisman Automotive. We're going to be talking about the struggle being real, how data may be destroying the customer experience. So a little bit of interesting title, but I'm excited about how we're actually going to engage with data and how we transfer that into how we engage the consumer in their experience. Uh, So thanks for four eyes for partnering with us to put on that Asodu Edge webinar super cool these webinars have been great quick format new webinar format no more sitting on a call for an hour pretending you're paying attention this is 20 to 30 (laughs) minutes quick shot so you actually get what you need and then you get on with your day uh we hope you join us that um there's another thing wanted to talk about i don't know what it is hey uh, we're not going to announce the date yet but we have decided should should we say it right now I mean, everybody on our team would kill us. Okay. We're not, no, we're not going to say the date. Let's just say, all right. 
<laughs> pay attention because tomorrow we're going to talk a little bit about uh, when the next Sodukon is going to be. And that might be a little surprising for you, but we want to make sure you are there. So many people couldn't be there because um, they say we didn't announce early enough. So we're announcing super early this year. Um, there we go. So we'll talk about that then. Okay. Uh, we should probably get into some news. Let's get into the news. Oh, but you mentioned more than cars. If oh. you don't know what we're talking about. Or you haven't seen it yet. More than cars is a docu uh, docu series that we're making about the inspiring things that happen inside retail auto dealers every single day. Kyle and I travel around the country, uh, telling some insane stories coming out of these dealerships. Yep. Um, you know, lives changed, families changed, amazing environments, and Kyle and I have a lot of competitions to which I won't spoil everyone, but I have a hard time winning. So. <laughs> You can go to morethancars.tv and see both episodes one and episode two now um, for free. All right. Speaking of things that aren't free. Segway. Okay. So in their uh, seventh offer, that's lucky number seven since the beginning of the month, GM is claiming, quote, substantial movement in its latest offer to UAW members. Joining Stellantis together, they offered a 23% wage hike as the strike enters its sixth week. Both automakers are aiming for over $40 an hour for um, by 2027. So it's like a, a tiered increase reflecting industry shifts and pressures. The amount matches what Ford had already proposed earlier last week. So here's a little bit of the back and forth. UAW Sean President or President Sean Fain uh, seemed to agree that it was like good movement saying there was serious movement. Great. We'll take that little bit of a compliment. We'll As right. he reminded everyone, and then he reminded everyone we could expand the strike at any moment. He was like, he was like, see this, see this, see this infinity stone glove? See this thing? He's Watch. At it. He's like, ah, see You're my, fingers, snap my fingers, they can move. <laughs> so true. Oh, man. So um, basically he says, in quote, I quote, the bottom line is we've got cards left to play and they've got money left to spend. Um, you know, he also continued that the UAW uh, is looking for not just a good contract, not a record contract, but a contract that turns the tide. Uh, you know, that's he's Got just him. going, that's you it. know, uh, GM had uh, some some quotes, uh, had some things to say. It said it's time to conclude negotiations, bring our team back and focus on ensuring GM success, securing quality U.S. jobs for many future decades. And and here's the last little... Here's the one. Here's this the little... Is the hook. one that we're going to comment on, okay? So we got me. GM and Stellantis making offers. Sean Fain saying, okay, we're, we're making progress. He's like, oh, and by the way, uh, he took the opportunity to respond to Bill's, Bill Ford's comments last week uh, regarding Ford and the UAW banding together to beat non-union automakers. And he said, quote, the days of the UAW and Ford being a team to fight other companies are over. Whoa. That this sounds is not like, a, this is clearly not a man after our own hearts here. Look it out for number one right there. Can we ship him a collaboration is critical <laughs> shirt? Is that possible? We, Can we get that in his mailbox? Anyone we know could. Hey, maybe if we do, he'd burn it on TV. Maybe. That would be crazy. Be good for us. Get, hey, is that like the all publicity thing? Uh but I guess look, Hey, if he wants to come on the show, we would love to have Sean we, Fain. Come on, the on the show. We'll have some fun. Um, we would, too. This, this is, that is a scary statement for me because, like, I'm, I'm just looking across the way, and I think that Bill Ford's comments were absolutely accurate. And when you look at the, like, the landscape of what's happening with new automakers, specifically new EV automakers, making their way into this this OEM landscape like there has to be collaboration 
in order for survival of legacy over OEMs to work. And that being the potential heart of the UAW, I don't know if that's everyone, but the phys- the the uh like the verbal and out there heart of it, scary. It is. I mean, maybe maybe they're positioning to, you know, just the bigger the bigger win for them is getting more non-traditional automakers unionized. And so he's using that to rally the other ones to say, no, 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 where it's not us against them. It, you know, like traditional against newcomers. Right. I don't know. I don't know. It's just, just, you know, I don't know. I don't do good with conflict. I don't. I don't do <laughs> Speaking of newcomers in the EV market. Stop. Good way. Uh, I want to say so many things. Uh, but the retail auto industry has found its, <laughs> speaking more from conflict to conflict, the retail auto industry has found itself in the center of culture once again as EV adoption and government incentives have now become a political campaigning point amidst rising wow. EV prices and labor strikes. President Biden's pro-EV stance uh, faces a lot of new challenges from Republican contenders for further polarizing the electric vehicle debate. Just what we needed in the U.S. for every five Democrats owning an EV, there are only two Republicans highlighting mm-hmm. a political and ideological divide in adoption. Uh, and here's another thing. The demographics of EV ownerships also reveal an economic disparity. The median ha- household of an EV buyer is $186,000 a year up from the typical general new car buyer's household income of $122,000 a year. Wow. And even that number is way higher than it's been for decades where it was kind of stuck at ninety, the $90,000 mark for a long time. So basically, um, we have like two sides of this fight, obviously. Uh, from the Wall Street Journal article that has this, it says, um, here's a quote, I don't get why Ford GM and why these car makers aren't fighting to make cars that are going to sell, to make cars that are going to be able to go on long distances, said, you know him, Donald Trump, at a rally during which he predicted EV policies would lead to hundreds of thousands of American jobs being lost. The flip side, right? The flip side of, you know, Biden visited UAW picket line um, a little earlier this month. And Biden's quote, the real question is whether we'll lead or fall behind in the race to the future or whether we'll build these vehicles and the batteries that go in them here in the U.S. or rely on other countries, uh, Biden said yeah. while visiting a Ford factory. So there really is... One side, other side. We're just trying to figure out how to move some EVs or how to stop making so many this EVs. Is, uh, and now outside it's outside of the sides. I, you know, like I, I, I hesitate to get in the political thing. Good. The shocking point here is that the median household income of EV buyers right now is one hundred eighty-six thousand dollars a year. Like that's top one percent. Well, because usually US. it's like a third car, right? You exactly. Know? And so that, that, I mean, uh, it'd be interesting to see what the data has done. Like how old is that? Like as of the end of 2022, because I have a feeling 2023 shifted that a decent amount because yeah, of incentives sure. and it's going to shift a lot more. But I mean, the real political debate is, is government money going into influence commerce, right? And for a product that it's obvious that consumers aren't really ready for yet. Maybe they will be. The or flips, can't afford or because, can, and I, and I don't think that, me, 
household income is just the affordability of the actual no. vehicle. It's the affordability of charging or having a home where a charger can exist, right? Like it's multiple factors that lead to needing the high household income. And until you get that high household income closer to a, at least where new car buyers, which is already ramping up because, uh, because of the change in affordability with pricing and interest rates. Um, I mean, I talked to so many people that are sidelined right now it like literally sidelined in vehicle purchasing because of interest rates mm. because they literally can't afford it. I, I, I even seeing, um, you know, there was a thread on a car dealership guy, uh, LinkedIn post where finance managers and general and GSMs were just saying, we're seeing a, an absorbent amount, exorbitant amount of cash buyers. But some of those cash buyers are actually credit union buyers because credit unions are three, still three to 4% less than regular banks. And so as long if you don't qualify for credit union financing or don't have a credit union, you're even more sidelined by that. So mm. I think, you know, like tracking that all the way back to EVs, the EVs sidelining people that may or may not, that may want to buy an EV, but can't afford it or don't have the resources or don't have the garage to put the charger. That's the bigger issue at this point. And I don't care what amount of government incentives you might, may or may not have that's still the, the, the bridge to cross. You know, I, it's like, I think we're historically, we're going to look back on this time and say, like, is it possible for a government or governments global even to force a technology and then just make it force feed it so hard that eventually it becomes the normal because the flip side is like, say, you know, you have China and foreign automakers doing that to an extent. And there is a risk of, not being in the mix, right? And Absolutely. we've heard a lot of that like too. I, so I it, it's that. it's not a, again, just like everything that tries to break down to be red and blue. It's like, no, there's valid points for each approach. And the more yep. measured we can be in it and the more practical we can be in solving our problems. I think, you know, I believe in the industry, we'll figure it out, but you know, I don't know. <laughs> stop, well, st stop speaking because I want to say other things, but I'm not going to say things. Those. Other things. Speaking, <laughs> speaking of other things. Other things. <laughs> just definitely another thing. Last week, a Twitter uh, post a little bit broke the, the broke the old X. We'll call it a Twitter post, but an X post uh, <laughs> uh, was popular on a, an account called Tesla's owner, Tesla owner, Silicon Valley account. Um, it showed a test turned publicity stunt on the Cybertruck's new bulletproof uh, claims. Basically, what it is is it's a photo. Look if at you're that watching, thing. You can see it, uh, <laughs> but so uh, but a user found uh, this truck driving on on the streets, and it is a Cybertruck with what looks like bullet shot at it all up and down the body side panels. There was nothing headed toward the glass, but they got all the doors and a little bit of the two quarter panels on that thing. Uh, after the post went live, uh, the C CEO, Elon Musk, confirmed the Al Capone style barrage. Um, uh, and his comment on the post was, we emptied the entire drum, <laughs> we emptied the entire drum ma magazine of a Tommy gun into the driver door, <laughs> Al Capone style. No bullets <laughs> penetrated into the passenger compartment. Uh, this was a little bit after Tesla, Tesla's disappointing earnings call last week. What a mess. Oh, what man. A crazy hey, mess. like if, it, what, what do they say? When in doubt, entertain. 
<laughs> so they went yeah. in doubt, entertain, and that seems to now, be. Now, I will say, if you read a little bit more in the article, a bunch of people were like, nah, if it's a Tommy gun, that's a like, like, that's a soft blunt uh, bullet head. And it's not, you know, it's not like a high capacity round or anything like that. And, you know, a 22 would easily penetrate that. But hey, no, look, 22 wouldn't. I don't care. So a four, it's a 45 caliber round. Or a 45, that's right. Um, no, it is. The Tommy gun is a 45. It's a little more blunt. I actually, somebody in the thread, I was like, obviously, really interested. I was like, started somebody actually tested different rounds on the same eighth inch hardened stain like the exact spec to stainless steel and it yep. did stop everything it stopped nine millimeters it stopped a bunch of stuff but you oh, know wow. obviously like an ak-47 or like you know an ar-308 yeah but hey if i'm driving <laughs> in that in a shady situation i feel really good that i feel great and people feel ask great. the question right why does your truck need to be bulletproof to which i respond why not? Because it's bulletproof. <laughs> That's Elon Musk. He's like, well, if I can, well, shouldn't I? I have a friend who was uh, was former Marine Special Forces, and he <laughs> never forget. He got all excited because there was this like set of consumer level, well, like prosumer level night vision goggles that were like a pretty decent military spec for like five hundred bucks, and he brought them. He showed them to his wife. He's like, babe, look at these. And she goes, like, she goes, why do you need them? He goes. Because it's night vision. (laughs) That's why. That's exactly why. So there you go. If that wasn't a little up and down of a show, I don't know what was. Hey, it's Monday. We got a fresh start to the week. You got a bunch of people waiting to buy cars and a bunch of people looking to you for leadership. So lead them in the right way. Sell some cars. (laughs) 